This is episode number 105, really? One num- number 105, well, I guess that's right, of Hebrews in Exile with our honorable teacher, Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And in our journey of life, we may encounter individuals who call themselves Hebrews, but you know how you can really tell if a person's Hebraic or not? By their actions, by the behavior, whether or not they're in tune and in line with the mitzvot of the Most High. So we expound upon that topic in this episode of Hebrews in Exile. You know what we do. Let's go. You're the creation. You make everything right. Give me more power. This is Rabbi. This is Rabbi. <laughs> Robert B. Holman Jr. And Sean Appleton. And this is Hebrews, Hebrews in Exile. exile. Once again, we're here, and we have a mandate. Yes, at the behest of the Most High. Yeah. And the mandate that we have for our listeners and those of you who are maybe listening to us for the first time, we're Hebrews. Yes. And there is a distinct difference between true Hebrews and those that want to call themselves a Hebrew. Uh Uh-huh. You might ask, well, what's the difference? The difference is that pure Hebrews do not gravitate to anything that is outside the rules and the instructions that the Most High has given to the nation of Hebrew Israel. Right, yeah. And I, I want to I want to introduce a a new terminology to our listeners because as we talk, uh, you're going to hear this a lot from us. Mm. The whole task is to promote the name of the Most High and his rules and instructions, which are called mitzvot, or they're called Torah, Mm. or they're called his rules and his instructions, or his commandments, which we talk about commandments, people get stuck on Exodus chapter 20. Those aren't the commandments, uh, as I talked about in other Another uh, podcast, those are the wedding vows between the Most High and Israel. And you can tell that by the way it opens. Yeah. When he, inter- it when he introduces by it. by saying, yeah. I am Yahweh, mm-hmm. who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. Mm. You shall not have any other L's beside me. Very emphatic. For I am a jealous L. Now let's put that in modern day terminology. I'm the one who found you. Mm -hmm. And if we go to the book of Ezekiel, I think it is chapter 16. I saw you when you were wallowing in the dirt, in the desert, and you didn't have anyone to cut your, 
your umbilical cord and didn't have anywhere to salt your body and I cut you and I salted you and I cleaned you up and I watched you grow into puberty and then I took you in and I covered you and all of that and mm. you grew into be into, into a beautiful uh, adolescent and I covered you and, and, and she talks about the marriage in Ezekiel chapter 16. Mm. So the difference between pure Hebrew and the people who want to call themselves Hebrew is this relationship that pure Hebrews have with the most high. Yeah. He's our, he can be, he can be our husband. Mm -hmm. He can be our father. He can be anything that he desires to be to us. But in relationship to him, there's a pureness in which that we obey. Right. There's the optimal word yeah. that you're going to hear flowing all through the language. When we start out, giving instructions in, um, in Exodus mm. uh, through to Devarim, you're going to hear this word, obey. Obey. Obey, obey what? Obey my Torah. Obey my laws and mm -hmm. obey my instruction. Obey my ruling. So our position as pure Hebrews is to teach what the Most High said to teach, which is his rules and his instructions, which is what Father Mashe yeah. was given in the instructions by the Most High. He said, I was given you and given instructions by the Most High, Devarim chapter 4, by the way, yeah. to teach you rules and instructions. Right. That's yeah. what, that's what, that's what the, that's what the, that's what the, uh, that's what the charge is. Yeah. I mean, you, I'm going to pull a page out of your book um, when it goes and it talks about, hey, you know, we were, had, we were in this liturgy of doing the parishals every single week and, and so on and so forth. And the mandate, again, going back to Devarim chapter four is to teach the mitzvot. Yes, that is our history that we go over and we try to make sure that you understand where you come from and how you connected to that group of people. But at the same time, the mandate has always been to teach the mitzvot. We have this perpetuation of individuals that are doing a poor job of passing down these statutes and governances and and colloquialisms and and culture that is rich in our text, and they're not teaching that to the next generation, and no. they're falling no. way short right. of understanding right. of our connection with the Most High, which is which is which is sad. So. Coming back to you, coming back again, pure Hebrews connect to the Most High in the way that the Most High wants us to connect with Him by teaching His rules and His instructions yeah. and not by engaging in anything that is idolatrous. That's right, because He says what? He's, he's, a, he's a jealous He's a jealous Elohim. Elohim. And he's, as a matter of fact, in our, in what does it say in, in, in the uh, Devarim chapter 6, verse 4, I believe it says what? Shema, Shema Israel. Israel. Yahweh Eloheinu. Right. Yahweh Echad. Echad, he, which he, is. He is one. He is one, which is interesting because when you do a type of study of individuals at that particular time, they believed in every single kind of God, the gods of water, the gods of the air, the gods of all the rocks, the land and the sea. And Hebrew Israel is the one that accepted this monotheistic Elohim that says, I am one. I am the only one. 
And because of their ability to understand and acquiesce to that, the Most High chose them to be his people. Because obviously, as you've eloquently put before in the past, the Hebrew Israel was not the first group of individuals that got offered this deal. Yeah. They were in line. Right. And they, obviously, everybody else prob- could not acquiesce to that one line that we keep coming back to, which is the Most High is one. No, we got to have the most high and this other God. We have to have the most high and this God. We have to have the most high and Christ. No, we have to have the most high and all these other plethora of things. But Hebrew Israel accepted, yes, you are the only one and we'll serve you. Yeah, that's interesting that you would say that because um, I'm currently doing a study uh, with the Friday night class mm. uh, in the book of Yeshayahu. Okay. Isaiah. Um, Isaiah chapter 2 okay. and verse 22 is very direct. Okay. It says, stop relying on man <laughs> in whose nostrils is a mere breath. After all, he doesn't count for much, does he? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Now, that's, that's the prophet Isaiah talking. <laughs> that's right. Very direct. And, and then, then he, then text goes on to say and tell us not to put any confidence in flesh. Yeah. So, you know, you have this person mm. who is flesh and who is man who violates both of the mandates that yeah. the Most High has made here in Isaiah and in other texts where he says, don't put any confidence in flesh. There you go. And then he then he backs it up over and over in Isaiah by saying, I'm the first, I'm the last. Besides me, there is no <laughs> L. Right. You know, and, and I am your rock, I'm your savior, I'm redeemer. Mm. And... There is no other. You right. know, he repeats this over and over again. So when we talk about uh, being pure, we're pure to the one who created us, to whom we're married to, to whom all he, to whom also he calls us in Shemot uh, four twenty or twenty two that Israel is my firstborn son. Mm-hmm. Now, I want to go back up here in chapter. Isaiah chapter two, two? because okay. I want to read something as we as we get ready to talk about the mitzvot today. All right, chapter two and it begins in verse two. In the Akarit Hayamin, Akarit Hayamin means in the last days. Mm. So we are in the last days, but we're not in the last of the last days for which this particular text is referring to. Okay. So in the Akarit Hayamim, the last days, the mountain of Yahweh's house will be established as the most important mountain. That happens to be in Yerushalayim. Mm -hmm. I will regard, it will be regarded more highly than the other hills and all the nations will stream there. Mm. All the goyim, the Mm. word for nations is goyim. All the goyim will stream there. Many peoples will go and say, come, let's go up to, to the, the mountain. mountain of Yahweh, to the house of the El of Yaakov, 
He will teach us about his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion will go forth the Torah and the word of Yahweh from Jerusalem. Mm. So now the issue, the issue on the table is the fact that this Torah that we talk about is important to the Most High. It is also important to Hebrew Israel. There's another text that I was trying to find. I couldn't remember where it is, where it, where it is, where he talks about it is for this reason, because you have abandoned my Torah, that the nation of Israel is in exile. Mm. So now we wonder why it is we're in this exile and not in this opulent land that we're supposed to be in. Right. Now you're going to hear us talk about talk about this our nation in a different kind of uh, of reflection and in a different kind of context that is going to draw you in to allow you to understand that you are somebody that belongs to something that is great. Yes. And that is Yahweh's exile empire. empire. Yes, sir. Yahweh's exiled empire. You're going to hear us talk about an empire. We are in exile, but we are an empire in exile. exile. Yeah. Why is that so? Because even in this exile, the Most High has made promises to the fathers of what he intends to do in the Akarit Hayamin, or the end of days, or the end of the end of days, when he exile, when he redeems Israel out of this exile and brings us back to our land mm -hmm. where we will eternally function as the world's empire. That's there right. will not be, when, when that happens, listen, 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 listen. When that happens, there will not be in place another empire ever to even be considered to be compared to it? Or will there be ever another nation or empire to even confront it? Right. That's, That's right. in text. That's right. I mean, you it's right there, what now, you just read. Yeah. Now, every empire and every nation has rules and regulations. Yeah. The empire of the Most High has rules and regulations. It's called laws, statutes. It's called mitzvot. It's called Torah. Mm -hmm. Now, <laughs> pure Hebrews are in opposition to the worldwide view that says that the rules and regulations of the empire of the most high have been annulled right and done away with that's that's correct true, true statement true hebrews are in opposition to that right true hebrews being in opposition to that do not side with any group of people who call themselves hebrew but mix but but mix their thought with the Greek Empire. 
That's correct. Of which the New Testament is comes from the Greek Empire. Right. I, I'm going to another country. And while I'm in that other country, I have to do what? I have to observe the laws of that country. But then I'm bringing my my frame of reference and laws from the country that I've come from. And sometimes they don't jive or go together. Right. And they're going to say, when you violate the laws of the land upon which you are in, and they say, well, why did you X? And I said, I was operating on the laws of the country that I came from. They said, well, you're not in Kansas anymore, Dorothy. So if I'm going to be analogous to what you're saying, it's literally what I just explained, which is we have laws that govern and we don't speak in terms of religion because this is not a religion. This is a way of life. This is look at it as if it was no different from you living in the country that you're in right now, wherever you may be throughout the world. You are governed by a set of laws. And those laws have been set up to either deter you in a specific way by the punishment that it incurs. And if there is a punishment that is incurred that is, doesn't require something very harsh, then you have to make some type of atonement for right. it, either by paying some right. type of right. uh, 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 monetary expense uh, to, uh, to exonerate you right. from what has been uh, violated. Right. Think of it that way instead of this religious, spiritualized way of, that we've always looked at it. The Most High has never been religious even from his inception of making it, making everything in the first six days. Religion was not one of the things that he made. No. He, and that matter of fact, he never made religion. <laughs> That's at all. right. He made us, he gave us a way of life. That's a way of life. Now, Yeshayahu Isaiah goes on to say mm -hmm. in chapter number five, something that's very, that is repeated in Hosea, verse 13. He says that, for such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. Yes. I paraphrased that earlier. Here it is in chapter 5, verse 13. Mm -hmm. For such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. Well, the book of Hosea, uh, chapter, chapter 4, verse 6, says that my people are mm. destroyed. My people are destroyed for want of knowledge because you reject knowledge mm. I will also reject you as calling for me because you've forgotten the Torah of your L mm -hmm. I will also forget your children Okay. Wow. The more they increase in number, the more they sinned against me, I will change their glory into shame So now Isaiah corroborates what Hosea says about this aspect of knowledge. So now here's the deal. Here's the deal. The Most High has given us rules, regulations, statutes, precepts, and various things to guide our way as a nation. And the fact that we are in exile does not negate the fact that as a nation of people, that we should not be operating by the rules and the regulations that the Most High has given us. Correct. Correct. Okay? Now, Correct. 
And the reason for that, and the reason why I'm spending, I'm spending time going over these with you is because this is what's going to be going to be in play when you wake up from the dust and arrive in the land. Correct. It's going to be instantaneous. It's not going to be, there's not going to be any grandfathering in. Mm-hmm. So as we go to the dust, our mindset is already locked in to the governance of the empire that's there, which is the reason why there's a mandate upon us in this exile to teach what Mashe taught the, the nation of Israel mm. before they went into exile. Right. Okay. Right. So now, just in case you don't understand <laughs> the gravitas of the importance of this, let's read 13 down through verse 14. Let's read it again. For such lack of knowledge, my people go into exile. This is also why their respect for, for men, men starve and their masses are parched from thirst. Therefore, Sheol, this is not hell. Yep, that is not hell. This is not hell. That is the grave. Sheol <laughs> has enlarged itself and opened up its limitless jaws, jaws. and mm-hmm. go down and and. Down go their nobles and masses along with their noise and their rebels. What that means is mm. that those who reject Torah and those who are uh, 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 scorners, scorners and fools will never see the light of day. They will go to the dust and they will never, ever be revivicated from the dust. As Daniel chapter four says, when we arrive back in the land, there's a revivication from the dust. We will, we will be, we will stand up like, like full grown men <laughs> and be at full body, mind, soul, and spirit. And we will be connected back to the most high. What he's saying here is those of you that have lack of knowledge, and those who had no respect for him, that Sheol, the grave, has enlarged itself to hold the capacity of those people that aren't going to make it. Now, here's the deal. Because I'm going to ask you, we need, to, we need to clarify something in here. Go. This is for, now, I want to get your opinion on this. This is for individuals that know. Yes. This is for the you know, and then you turn around and did this anyway and led people astray. This is for the fool. This is for the fool. This is not for the individual that has generationally been taught a certain way that's been incorrect. Yes. And saying out of the innocence and inadvertentness of of what they're doing, that that this is not this doesn't pertain to them. You had to have some type of premeditated knowledge and premeditated knowledge. Yes. 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 Okay. Yes. Yes. So with that being the case, you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to set the table with that before I got into talking about mitzvot uh, and, and, and Torah concepts tonight. But once again, using the words out of the book of Malachi, Malachi says that then you will know the difference between right. that which is set apart and that which is not set set apart apart. correct we are pure hebrews we have been set apart for the most high why because the most high says be set apart as i am set Set apart apart. right 
okay? Set apartness just means being holy, but I don't use the context of the word holy because the word holy has some heathenistic connotations to it that you've never been taught, you've never been hurt, and everybody thinks, well, holy is, is, is okay. No, it's not. Hmm. Just like God is the same. God is not. It's not. That's got some 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 heathenistic connotations to it mm-hmm. also. But you don't know that because your kohanim, who are your teachers <laughs> and your preachers and your pastors, <laughs> I can't say the word. <laughs> they lack knowledge. <laughs> Let me say it. <laughs> no, they 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 just simply they simply lack knowledge because they have gravitated to a Greek a Greek religion. Mm-hmm. And they're trying to mix Greek with the pureness of Hebrew, and that's like trying to mix water and oil. Right. They're never going. They're never going to mix at mm. all. Mm-hmm. Let's go. We stopped off in our last in our last conversation uh, with the mitzvot in Vayikra, uh chapter twenty-two and verse thirty-two. The obligation not to not profane Yahweh's name. So we're going to start there, and we'll move through and move forward with, as our time permits us. And, Permits us. Okay. So in Vayikra. Vayikra chapter 22, verse 32. Okay. You are not to profane my set apart name. On the contrary, I am to be regarded as set apart among the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about what it means to profane his name. Yes. We were brought up with the idea that using using such language as goddamn oh you profane his name but but but, <laughs> right. but but remember something god is not his name it's a title, title. that's a, that's ascribed to many to many l's and that's little l that not big l that's little l's to many to many gods how do we profane the most high's name the most high said to israel he said you have profaned my name on every high hill. Mm. Meaning, you have acted contrary to the way that I expect you to, to act by which the nations know. Because the nations hold my name in high esteem. But you, Israel, don't hold my name in high esteem. As a matter of fact, you have chosen to show disdain toward me by the way that you act and the way you conduct yourself. Right. So profaning the Most High's name is germane to action, not what comes out of your mouth. It's how you and I live our life. So when we don't live our lives according to, to the rules and the instructions of the Most High. When pure Hebrews or people who declare themselves to be Hebrew don't live their lives according to the rules and the instructions of the Most High among the nations, they are profaning his name. Correct. We don't profane his name Mm -hmm. because we live our lives correctly in the context of which the Most High desires. Vayikra 23 and 3 is a, re- is a repetition of an earlier uh, mitzvot. It says that we are obligated to keep the Sabbath. 
Work is yeah. to be done on six days, but the seventh day is a Shabbat of complete rest, a set-apart convocation. You are not to do any kind of work. It is a Shabbat for Yahweh, even in your homes. So, now, he tells us here that this seventh day is a complete rest, but we are supposed to convene and have a set-apart convocation. Okay. Mm -hmm. If you happen to be somewhere where you can convene with uh, like-minded people, mm -hmm. you know, for a time on the Shabbat and, you know, go through and read uh, scripture and read uh, his mitzvot and his mm -hmm. commandments and remind yourself of the relationship that you have with him every seventh day, then that's what we're supposed to do. The first day of the week is not the Sabbath. No, now, it's not. <laughs> I, I don't even want to cross that bridge. You know what? I'm going to tell you, um, I'm going to make a comment here. If I had to pick a couple of, of, of mitzvot that would be in my top 10, this would be probably in the top five. And I'm going to tell you what, if not the top three. And the reason is, is because this is like our gateway Mitzvot, because once you flip flip over and you start doing the Shabbat, yes, everything else starts <laughs> to line up. Yeah, everything just falls into place after that. So yeah. this is one of these mitzvot that's, in my mind's eye, is a heavy one. If you can, if you can acquiesce to the Shabbat yes. and resting on the Shabbat and in its in its entirety, when I when I say rest, I'm not talking about sleep. No, that's something different. Yes, I'm talking about. Putting all creation aside, putting putting the most highs, um, you're meditating on the most high through this particular uh, point in time um, during the day. Right. Because there, there's, right. we came out of that too, where we were, you know, starting the Shabbat, you know, the day before and the evening and all this extra stuff that Judaism introduces. Yes. So... Again, I guess I'm, I'm rambling. I'm going off on a tangent here, but this one right here yeah. is heavy. Yes, yes, yes. Heavy mitzvah. So how do we carry it? We carry it out by, by we have a community here. Mm -hmm. And we gather every Shabbat as a community here in our building. And we sing songs of worship and we teach scripture. Yeah, so uh, do. we kind of do what we're doing now, but it's in a in a, in a larger in a, in a in a larger scale. Uh, we teach scripture, and when we get through doing that, we dismiss. We go home, and we're still until the sun goes down. We're still in this modality of thought process and thinking about the matters of the day, and not getting involved in uh, matters that are not germane to the Most High. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And let me add this in here before you go into the next one. People may not know who was the first to observe the Shabbat. The, the first to observe the Shabbat was our greatest example was the Most High Yahweh himself. Yes. In, in um, <laughs> Bereshit chapter That's two. right. He had to, he observed it and said, hey, listen, I'm, if I can do it, and I'm set apart. Guess what y'all going to do? Yeah, because you tell us to be like him. That's right. You know. In Vayikra 23, verses 4 through 7, the obligation to rest on the first day of Pesach, which is Passover. 
These are the designated times of Yahweh, the holy convocations you are to proclaim at their designated times. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, between sundown and complete darkness, comes Pesach for Yahweh. On the first day, you are to have a holy convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. Now, in order to understand this particular mitzvah, we have to go back to Exodus, I think it is chapter 12 where he gives us the instructions to Israel of when the first of the month is. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 So we have to go back. We have to go back there and, and understand when the uh, first of the month is, which is the month of uh, Aviv. 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 Uh, let's go there for a minute. Can we go there for a minute? Yeah. Let's go back to. Uh, and while we're going there, I'm going to reflect a little bit. To Exodus chapter. I say 12. 12, I think you said. Exodus 12. You, you, you see, when you read that, did you see even the Most High is being consistent? The Most High, there's a characteristic that I want to point out about the Most High right here. Hopefully, our listeners will be able to acquiesce to this. As you continue to study the Most High, you will learn about some characteristic traits that he has. And one of them is being very specific. Yes. <laughs> yes. He's being very specific. On the first month, so he first tells day, us, yeah, yeah so he day. tells us that in in Vayikra, but you have to go back to Exodus twelve to know when that is. So he says yeah. in Exodus twelve one, Yahweh spoke to Moshe and Aharon in the land of Mitzrayim. He said, "You are to begin your calendar with this month. It will be the first month of the year for you." Mm-hmm. Now. Um, let me see here. See here. I mean, this is super specific in here. Yep, 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 it is. So the first, the first month for Hebrew Israel on the calendar is the month is called Aviv, which occurs in the spring of the year. <coughs> uh, this happens around the middle of March. Correct. Yeah. Around the middle of March is when the month, the Hebrew calendar, on the Hebrew calendar in which the month Aviv begins. And then from that point on, we count these 14 days that he's given us here uh, in the mitzvot where we come to this point of honoring the the Passover, Pesach, which is Passover. Right. Passover is an event that takes place in your home mm-hmm. with your family. And that and it happens at dusk. It begins at dusk. So what we do, what we do, and you know, before we before we had understanding, we were following the ways of the Oxanazis. Right. And to prove that they're wrong, they're completely out of text by having this thing that's called the Seder. Mm-hmm. And they hold the Seder on this day mm-hmm. and they have a convocation, uh, a, big, a big convocation, convocation and, yeah. a big, and a big thing that goes on and they read through this thing that's called a Haggadah. Mm-hmm. But that's not what the Most High ordered us to do. Correct. He ordered us to hold this at sundown on the first day of the week. And you'll notice here... Uh, it says on the first day of the week you are to have a holy convocation 
and do not do any kind of ordinary work. work. Uh huh. So the convocation is held on the following day. Mm. On the following day, which is the fifteenth day which is of the, the month, which is which starts the feast the of matzah. Yep. And that uh, that is a seven day a seven day feast. Feast of matzahs, yeah, the seven seven, days. seven day yeah, feast, which yeah, we'll, which, which kicks we'll off uh, um, the counting of the Omer when we wave the Omer, and then you count your seven weeks until you get to the next uh, one, which is Shavuot. Which I want to make actually, you know, um, uh, nerdy little thing sidebar. This is when we talk about Pesach. Pesach is the only uh, a Moedim or festival that we observe that happens at starts at uh, at dusk. Yeah, the rest of them start in the daytime. There's a whole nother teaching about <laughs> Hebrew days, evenings, and mornings, and and nights. Right. So that's that. Then. On Vayikra chapter 23, verse 6, the obligation to eat matzah for seven days and have a holy convocation, do not do any ordinary work. On the 15th day of the same month is the festival of matzah. For seven days you are to eat matzah, and on the first day you are to have a holy convocation, do not do any kind of ordinary work. Bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh for seven days, and on the seventh day is a holy convocation, do not do any kind of ordinary work. So now, after Pesach in our homes, Passover in our homes, uh, and 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 now here's 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 something else that I I need to go back to uh, I need to go back because you're going to get confused in what's going on here. He says on the first day you are to have a holy convocation. Do not any do not have any kind of ordinary work in the land of Israel when the feast of Pesach came around all of the patrons of Israel would go into Yerushalayim and on this 14th day they would all slaughter their lambs mm -hmm. and they would share their lamb with you know different family if they had one for a family or, their, or, or whatever the case may be and all through that evening, they had to then consume all the lamb and or if they didn't, it had to be completely burned up. It could not be eaten in the second day. Correct. So that's the reason why the, this, this, this convocation is, is written in, in the text because that's something that they did in Yerushalayim as mm. a family. Now we get back to uh, the seventh day. The day after Pesach, first of all, the day before sundown on the day of Pesach, we have a responsibility to, by, by mitzvot, to get rid of all of the leaven that's in the house. Yes. Yes. To, yes. Remove, to remove all the leaven that's in the house. Correct. Going into before sundown on the day of Passover. Mm -hmm. Then, after, from that point on, according to this mitzvot here, we eat matzah that hasn't got any leaven in it or 
I don't want to call it bread, but we eat. Um, it's 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 matzah. It's a it's it's matzah. It's a bread. Oh, it's a bread. That, is it a cracker? That's matzah. It, yeah. Well, but you can also eat. You can eat saltines or yeah. You can eat things that don't have leaven in leaven it. in them. Yeah. Okay. You know, like tortillas. Tortilla. Okay. You know, and that's for seven days. So we meet on the first day. We have we have a congregation. So on the first day of the feast of matzah, we have a convocation. We meet. Uh, we'll 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 sing some songs of worship. And there's no liturgy for this. Mm -hmm. So we'll do some things that are just remain to fellowshipping and maybe having testimonies or whatever. And then we'll, uh, we'll have a, a big congregational feast. Uh, it, you know, everybody brings potluck and we have a, a big, a big feast, Yeah, you know, and then, uh, on the seventh day we come back and we hold a convocation on the seventh day that we do not do any ordinary work. It's a, it's a Shabbat also, and we do the same thing that we do on the first day. So that's how we honor this particular mitzvah. Now, notice, notice that as I talk about Passover, I'm not talking about Easter. No, you're not. Easter is not Passover. Hmm? Easter is pagan after the order of Astarte, the fertility goddess. Correct. Which is the reason why you have chickens <laughs> and bunnies within the framework of this celebration that's called Easter, mm, which man. the Christian church, uh, now, now, now here's come out from among now, them. Now, now, now here's something interesting about <laughs> Easter and Passover. Yes, sir. The definition, <laughs> Proverbs opens with the context of defining the simpleton, the, the scoffer, and the fool. Okay? Mm -hmm. Easter is one of those celebrations that's germane to defining a fool. Why <laughs> did I think he was going to go there? No, it is. Why? Why? <laughs> because how do you define a fool? A fool is someone who knows the difference, but doing right mm -hmm. gets in the way mm. of doing what is right. That's a fool. That's a fool. So now they know that Easter is a pagan holiday mm -hmm. or a pagan thing. So they change the name of it in some instances of those who are trying to be, trying to, trying to find uh -huh. a loophole, right? By changing it from Easter to Resurrection, resurrection Sunday. Sunday, right? But there cannot be a Resurrection Sunday because the Lamb is never resurrected. That's correct, because he's burnt up completely. He's burnt up completely, and there's no resurrection of the Lamb. Mm. And. Secondly of all, <laughs> if you're celebrating the resurrection of a man, I just read to you in Isaiah what the Most High said about a man. And then the second thing about that is, is that if we're celebrating the death, burial, and resurrection of a man, 
who was not supposed to have been sacrificed because the Most High does not, he, there's nowhere, there's no mitzvot that requires or the Most High asks for the sacrificing of an human individual. <laughs> human being, As a matter right. of fact, he says in text, it never entered my mind. Correct. Correct. So now we have the religious Christian church knowing that there's something wrong with this, but we're not going to call it Easter. We're going to call it Resurrection Sunday. That's the action of a fool. Yeah. Because you know it's wrong, but you try to skirt around it to try to make it right. See, what you said was so cold-blooded. Can I, can I give you an accolade real quick? That was cold-blooded. I don't know what you own right now. Can I have some of it? Because I'm going to tell you what. I'm in debt. Because the fact that the, you just sat there and said, when that sacrifice was made, I don't, matter of fact, I don't know anywhere in text where a sacrifice has to be resurrected, period. No. No sacrifice. <laughs> no. Do we ever no. resurrect? And if this is a sacrifice to the most high, then there's a lot of things that are wrong here. Yeah. In this whole entire scenario, let alone if you saying that this is a the Passover lamb and and if is if this is for individual sin, then he's the wrong gender anyway, anyway. because because it, it's a female that's yes. supposed to get offered up. Yeah. So there's a whole bunch of problems. But like I said, that's cold blood. I never thought of it like that. Yeah, I like mean, no sacrifice to the Most High has ever resurrected. No, no, no. <laughs> so, so once again. I get back to how I opened this, mm. this discussion tonight. There's a difference between pure Hebrews and those who call themselves Hebrews. Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to you from the voice of a pure Hebrew, and I'm speaking to you from the voice of how a prophet would describe this to Israel. Yeah. Okay? Right. Now. All right, there we go. Where are we going? Vayikra chapter number 23, verse 8. eight the okay. obligation to bring an offering and refrain from ordinary work. Bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh uh, for seven days during this, this feast of Masha. So how do we do that? Well, what we do, because the offerings here in text are germane to animal sacrifices. Correct. Okay. We cannot do animal sacrificing in exile. Therefore, mm -hmm. this is the reason why in these mitzvot that I'm describing to you, I'm not describing anything that has animal sacrificing in it, except for these here, which happen to have it in it. Mm -hmm. But what we do, as opposed to having animal sacrificing, is that the people bring a literal a literal offering. They bring mm. they bring a gift of offering. Mm. They bring money in place of the sacrifice that would the uh, the animal sacrifice that would that would be be offered. So they bring money instead. Yeah, it's, that's, it's, that's, it's that's symbolic. It. Yeah. It's symbolic. Now, um, in Vayikra chapter twenty three and verse fourteen. It talks about you are not to eat bread, dried, dried grain, or fresh grain until the day you bring the offering for Elohim. This is a permanent regulation through all your generations, no matter where you live. So this is the 16th of Nisan, the day in which the Omer 
is brought. Right. So if yeah. we're in the land, we, we, we would know something about Omer. But I've already told you that from the 15th or, or the 15th uh, or this, uh, of um, Aviv, of, Aviv uh, the, those seven days is which we don't eat anything that has any leaven in it. Now, since we brought up this issue of uh, the grain offering, uh, the next the next obligation is to count the Omer. So now, in the month of Aviv, the day after Passover, starting on the 15th of the month of Aviv, we start counting the days of the Omer getting down uh, to a time that's called Shavuot. So let's read the text. Okay. From the day after the day of rest, that is from the day you bring the sheaf, the sheaf of waving, you are to count seven full weeks. So those seven full weeks are going to take us down, what, to 50 days. Yeah, like 50 49, days, yeah, 49, 50 days. Yeah, 40, 50 days down to Shavuot mm -hmm. until the day of the seventh week. And you are to count 50 days, the text says. Mm -hmm. And then you are to you are to present a new grain offering to the Most High. Mm. So now that's that's called. That's called counting down to Shavuot. Now, we don't have grain offerings to bring. But we do have the time frame that takes us into the time of Shavuot, which is in verses 16 and 17 of chapter 23. Mm -hmm. Until the day, let's go back and read it, read, read it from the context here. Uh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Verse 16, until the day after the seventh week, you are to count 50 days. And then you are to present a new grain offering to Yahweh. You must bring bread from your homes for waving, two loaves made with one gallon of fine flour baked with leaven as first fruits to Yahweh. So now we have a convocation on the day that is called Shavuot. Let's go to verse 21. 21, okay. On the same day, you are to call a set-apart convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. This is a permanent regulation throughout all your generations, no matter where, where you, you live. live. So now Shavuot, the day of Shavuot is a time in which that we have a holy convocation. Mm -hmm. And this is when we come out of the time of eating matzah back to eating bread that has leaven in it. And on the day of Shavuot, we have a holy convocation here in our in our assembly, mm -hmm. and we have a big potluck, and we have we have a good feast, and we have wine and bread <laughs> and some good food. That's right. You know what? <laughs> when we think about this, when we think about this, and you think about the Hebrew people, where they were and what they were doing, mm -hmm. uh, they were having a community barbecue. That's exactly. They're having a block party. They were having a That's community they were having a community barbecue. Uh-huh. Can you imagine what that's going to be like? You, you, the, pitting somebody else to give this is my dry rub uh, 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 beef ribs over here, Jack. Need to get some of this. Now remember, Shavuot is not Pentecost. 
nah. as is written over in the Greek text. Mm-hmm. When the day of Pentecost had come. No, we're not talking about Pentecost. Mm. We're talking about Shavuot. We're talking about a time that reflects on a myriad of things. And the other factor is, if we go back to the beginning of chapter 23 of Leviticus, in there, there is the word sakar, which means remember. Mm-hmm. So all okay. of these myths, all of these more deems that we're talking about here are germane to remembering mm-hmm. something, mm-hmm. remembering our ancestors' time in, 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 uh, in, in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, remembering how the Most High brought us out with a strong arm, uh, remembering all of these things, all of these moedims are germane to that. So we have this time that is called the Festival of Shavuot. Mm -hmm. From Shavuot, we move into verse 24 of 23, which is the day of rest for the Feast of Trumpets or what is also called Rosh Hashanah or the head of head of the year. But Rosh Hashanah and the time that it occurs, which is in usually in the month of September, which is the seventh month, mm-hmm. um, is not the head of the year for Israel. Nope. It's the head it could be the head of the year for the agricultural season, but mm-hmm. it's not the head of the year for Hebrew Israel because we just read about that correct in Exodus chapter twelve. Right. So here he says, Yahweh said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel in the seventh month, the first of the month is to be for you a day of complete rest for remembering a set apart convocation announced with blast on the shofar. Mm -hmm. So now when this particular time comes around and how do we get to the seventh month? You can get to the seventh month by beginning in the month of Aviv and counting forward. And you'll, you'll, you'll actually wind up in the month of September. That's right. Which is, which is the month of Tishri on, which is the Babylonian month Tishri. Right. Right. So we have this holy convocation where we gather once again, uh, we have the holy convocation here uh, in our assembly. We gather and uh, we blow the shofar and we have a, 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 a grand feast again on this particular day. Mm-hmm. The next one that comes is... Uh, Along with that, let me let me continue to read there. Okay. Out of 23 uh, on this, this Feast of Trumpets, Yahweh said to Moshe, tell the people of Israel in the seventh month, the first month is to be a day of complete rest, remembering set apart the holy convocation, do not any kind of ordinary work and bring an offering made of fire. Once again, uh, that's a time in which the, the people bring an offering of money to represent this offering that would be consumed on the fire, they bring money instead because we're not doing animal sacrificing right. in this exile. Mm-hmm. Okay. Vayikra 23 and 27. The obligation to fast and bring an offering made of fire on the day of atonement. Uh-huh. This day right here Yahweh said to Masha, the 10th day of the seventh month is Yom Kippur. 
Yom Kippur is the day of atonement. You are to have a set apart convocation and you are to deny yourselves and you are to bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. So now we have this, 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 this day in which we don't do any kind of work because it is the day of an appointment and, and for you before Yahweh. So this is a time of complete rest, rest. Yeah. and a time of fasting, mm-hmm. denying ourselves. Correct. There's a lot that we can say about this particular day. Yeah. Yeah. But for the sake of... <laughs> <laughs> that's no, a podcast no, no, I, in itself I, I, I think i think we should at, since we're here okay at this one i think that we should we're, we're going to complete we're going to okay. complete these these moedims here because we've got after this we've got uh the sukkot but this one right here is important out of the three that happened in the seventh month sure sure and the floor is yours. <laughs> why is this? Why is this one particular one? Because you important. have you have the greatest amount of knowledge concerning this idea of why the Most High would command us to fast, to fast and deny ourselves on this particular day. Well, this day it not only is shrouded by this idea of being clean. That we are supposed to, uh, by denying ourselves and fasting, and then also understanding that we are to reflect on our our lives, our behavior um, during the course of the year, and turn away from uh, inadvertent sin and things that we may be doing that are germane that might be outside of the confines of of, of the mitzvot um, for self improvement. One of the things that's asked for us to do leading into this is fasting and. Fasting is one of the ways that the Most High naturally, to for the sake of time, um, allows the body to rest. So not only are you mentally resting, because the Most High is making, giving you this cognitive ability to understand what's going on, but then fasting because your your organs and your system is is resting as well. When you fast, the Most High allows your body to attack all of the old and dead cells that are within the body. That's what one of the benefits of actually what fasting does is if you do it long enough, the body will internally eat itself and clean itself out. So you look at it from the standpoint to say if while I'm fasting that whole entire day, not only is the most high allowing my mind to be reformulated, but he's allowing my body at a cellular level to be cleansed. So it is a day of complete cleansing. And again, this is why this, this, this idea of fasting is there because it's, it's not only exterior, but it's interior as well. Yeah. So there, I mean, so it has, fasting does a lot of things for us and, you know, it's time to uh, deny yourselves. You are to rest on your Sabbath from evening the ninth day of the month until the following evening. So it's a 24-hour fast. Fast, no water, no, no food, no food, nothing. You're allowing your body to rejuvenate itself. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Vayikra chapter 23, verse 33 to 35, is the obligation to rest on the first day of Sukkot and not to do any court ordinary work. 
So now this is the festival of feast, what is called the Feast of Tabernacles mm -hmm. or Sukkot. Yahweh said to Moses, tell the people of Israel on the 15th day of the seventh month is the Feast of Sukkot for seven days to Yahweh. On the first day, there is to be a set-apart convocation. Do not do any kind of ordinary work. Right. Uh, for seven days, you are to bring an offering made by fire. Once again, uh, in light of that, we bring money. Money up. Instead. On the eighth day, you are to have a set-apart convocation and bring an offering made by fire to Yahweh. It is a day of public assembly. Do not do any kind of work. So now, during this time of Sukkot, uh, our Feast of Tabernacles, where it is convenient. We live in a, we live in an exile where we are surrounded by a blacktop jungle and a lot of cement. So we're mm -hmm. not out in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. And so uh, this idea of having a sukkah and living outside in a tent can be um, burdensome and can almost be non-existent in some instances where we can and where we're able to and those who so desire uh, usually uh, put up a tent in their backyard and they'll sleep in and live in their tents in their backyards during this particular time. Mm -hmm. There is a distinct difference with the mitzvot in exile and the mitzvot in, in the land. land. There is a distinct difference in being, being able to facilitate this particular mitzvot properly. Mm -hmm. As you well know, in the Middle East and in the continent or in Mitzrayim and in the place where Jerusalem was and that is now desolate, that part of the country is in a warm, a very warm mm. climate during this time of the year. It's not cold like it is in our westernized United States during this time of year. Mm -hmm. Y'all be freezing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So the Most High, the Most High established this mitzvot and these these moedims to fall into sequences and times of year in which that they could both best be accommodated by Hebrew Israel. Now remember something. I'm going to tell you something. Remember something, okay? The mitzvot that I, I, I share this with you because we're dealing with the idea of doing things that we can do. Mm. This is something you can do if you so desire to do so. But it's one of those mitzvot that falls under the umbrella of which the majority of mitzvot fall into under is that this element of grace. Mm. Grace says, I'm giving you some mitzvot and they're not being done away with. They're all in play. But I know that in this exile, there are some that you're going to have a difficulty being able to do. Therefore, I'm extending to you grace. Mm. But where we can, we should. I'm not, this, this is not a, uh, this is not a sidestep around the mitzvot whereby, well, if I can do this for this one, I can do it from all. No, that's not the case. Right. That's not the case. Correct. You know, Correct. We make forth the best effort mm. that we can to apply ourselves to all of the mitzvot that we can in this exile. And the ones that I'm talking to you about are ones that we can do 
that separate themselves from anything that has to do with animal sacrifice because what Christian church, well, we don't do animal sacrifice. Well, the mitzvahs are more than animal sacrificing. Correct. They're ethical and they're moral, moral. Mm -hmm. as I've shared with you before in talking about the mitzvah. This is what separates mm. pure Hebrews from so-called people who call themselves Hebrews. This and the absence and the disobedience of not obeying what the Most High has said is the reason why we are in this exile. Mm. Well, this has been Rabbi Robert B. Holman Jr. and Sean Appleton. And this has been Hebrews, Hebrews in, in Exile. exile. Shalom. Shalom.